0: Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. So we've been talking about the heart. Why don't you go ahead and throw that graphic up, Philip, and uh, we'll squeeze this in. I don't really have a long message anyway, but, you know, we, we... we wonder, right, we wonder what, what are we supposed to be doing? We wonder, what's my call? What's my passion? Some people tell you to follow your heart. Some people tell you don't follow your heart. Some people tell you you got to do nothing but live in missions. And some people tell you develop a successful life and reach people as you go. You know, it's like everybody's got their opinions on how you're supposed to live. But you don't know how to live unless you know what kind of being you are. And unless you know what Christ has done for you. And this is the image that we've been looking at for, I don't know, a couple of months now. And again, if this is the first time that you... Well, that doesn't make sense, right? Again, if it's your first time seeing it. I'll sink in with some of you in a minute. (laughs) This is basically just kind of an image to give an idea of how we are connected with God. I'm not trying to define if you're a soul that has a spirit that lives in a body or if you're a spirit that has a soul or any of that kind of stuff, really. I don't think we know. I think we're a total being. But ultimately, you say yes to Jesus, and then he go, He takes you through the process of sanctification. In other words, he cleanses you with his blood. He removes your sin from you. He puts you in unity with the forgiveness that God has for you that's in his blood. He washes you, gives you his righteousness, gives you his right standing, and in that cleansing, which is called sanctification, after he cleans you, you're made holy. You can't live up to holiness in and of yourself. You can't become holy through your efforts. Holiness happens one way, and that's you're cleansed the right way. And the way that you get clean is through the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So you stand in your spirit holy before the Father because you've been prepared, and then he inhabits you. And all in this process, I don't know when it happens, how it happens. We don't, you know, we don't understand all the dynamics of what it means to be born again. But a surgery happens on you, and this is in Colossians 2. He takes a scalpel. It says that, a, it says that a, something without hands is performed, a circumcision without hands is performed upon you. And what he's talking about is of the heart. He's circumcised. He cuts out that old stony heart, that old sinful wicked heart that was wicked before Christ, and he gives you a new heart that is not wicked. Amen? Amen. You know, you might still choose sin, unfortunately, but sin is no longer your nature. It's no longer your core. It's no longer your natural desire. Is why you feel so bad after you get born again and you still sin. It's like, but you, you sin before you're born again. It's fun. <laughs> you sin after you're born again. Like, oh, This ain't right. I shouldn't be feeling this way. Amen? Because you know better. Your heart, the deepest part of who you are, knows better, and it knows there's a better way. And that's, that, you have to start there to then live out this Christianity that God has for us. Because in, in the process on this side of the cross, he only has good plans for you. He, has, he, he created this. The, the original intention remains that he created this place for human beings to be fruitful and multiply. That's still the plan. That's still the process that God started we carry this religious yoke upon ourselves thinking that we only, we're supposed to just be every day waking up and going out and trying to witness and, and win the world. And we should, but from a place of natural identity, right? From a place of as you are fulfilling your original intent that God created you for to be fruitful and multiply, as you are living your life, you yield to him. You let him move through you to love on people, I don't care where it is. I don't care if you're on Wall Street or in the prison or riding a motorcycle or driving a Lexus, whatever. Because I'm trying to boil this whole series down to kind of one question, and I've got a couple of questions that I'm going to end on here. Because where we are as believers is the world needs to see a strong church. The world needs to see a loving church. Yes. The world needs to see an effective church. The wor- I mean, CNN should be publishing stories like this because what it does is it shows God's hand <clears throat> in our lives and our willingness to work with one another. People that the world would look at and say, those people shouldn't be getting along with those people, much less giving their lives to each other. What do they care about a bunch of primitives on the backside of a mountain in Kenya that they'll never even see because they're valuable to God. And we need to go tell them that and we need to bring them the gospel so that they'll know that they're not stranded. I mean, these guys were up there thinking that God was mad at them. Like they didn't even know who God was. That was the story they told Teresa. She said, I'm here to tell you about God. And they said, what God? Which one? She said, the one that loves you. They said, we don't know that one. I mean, bottom line is what they said. Because then she's told them, Then they told her a story, and they ended it with, well, we think God's angry with us. There's a lot of people sitting in church, yes. sitting there thinking God's angry with them. God's wrath has been poured out on Jesus, on your behalf, and it leaves you in this place of being one With God, God has married himself to you. Do you think he would be married to wickedness? Do you think he'd be married to a sinful being? Now, you might still choose sin, but you are precious and holy and righteous in his sight because you've been made one with him through Christ. Church needs to know that because then you have an actual hope to overcome sin. Then you have an actual hope to be at a place where you can go confidently into the world and tell, you, tell people about your God. And so from here, it's all about the heart. It's all about you being convinced or persuaded or having faith in your heart toward God. Not faith in your strength, not faith in your ability, not faith in your intellect, not faith in your ministry, but faith in God the character of who God is. If you ever feel like you're wavering and you're confused and you don't know what's happening and you don't know how to connect with God and you just, you just feel empty and lost, just stand and look at him and begin to acknowledge the truth about God. It's like a mirror. You look at God and you then will begin to reflect. You will begin to reflect purpose and hope and direction and vision and then toward the world, love and, all the, and the fruits of the Spirit that are in you will grow through you and touch the world around you. Religion says, get this all cleaned up out here. Get, the, get your behaviors cleaned up. Get your thoughts right. Get your communication right. Quit drinking. Quit doing this. Then you can approach God. No. You're directly connected to God. One with him. Say, I'm one with him. And if you're not, I'll give you an opportunity here at the end of this to receive him. So everything that you're trying to do in this life as a believer should be a fruit from that connection that you have with the Father in your spirit growing through your mind and your understanding and your, your thoughts into this world Not you trying to get cleaned up enough to get him to bless you. You're blessed because Jesus is in you. Amen? Now just let it grow out of you. And, and, you know, I, I repeat myself a lot because you can't really teach people how to do that. It's a spiritual connection that you have to have with your God. And a lot of Christians are just kind of like, okay, I understand all the information, and it's here but not here. And, and, you know, you're you're limited to your own willpower and you get your life manageable enough where it's like, all right, I can live with this level of guilt. I can live with this level of shame. I can live with this level of sin. You know, I've got it under control now. It's like, no, God wants better than that for us. A a full transformation where even our thoughts are different. Even, Even just your natural choice, it's not a fight any longer to choose life, to choose righteousness. It's a transformation that's happened on the inside. So that we're living out the purposes that God has for us. And if you don't know what your specific one is, there's really only two. You go back to the garden, God created man to be fruitful and multiply. In other words, enjoy the planet that he made for us, right? Are you enjoying the planet? I hope so. And then now this side of the cross, it's to go into the world and love on people and bring them the gospel. You marry those two things together, that's your purpose. Now, you might have a specific call. I know, Sarah and I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that this is what we're called to do. We were absolutely called to start Forward Church. I know it. I have no doubt. I am fulfilling my ministry that God has called me into. Like Mike, I mentioned him earlier. He doesn't have a doubt. He was called into government to be a voice in that place for freedom. And if you don't know your specific call, that's okay. Don't beat yourself up over that. Maybe it's to be a mother. You know, maybe it's to continue a a a Christian radio station, Copies and Sales in a Christian radio station, and they need money to continue that ministry because it is a ministry. I hear those reports on those commercials you know, he's, he's part of something bigger that those Christian radio stations that are reaching people that don't go to church, but they flip over. I, I was listening to one of those, I can't even remember which one it was, but the, they had a little clip in the middle of their songs and they said, You know, I, I didn't, I was hopeless and I was considering suicide and I was in the car with a friend and they flipped on the so and so station and I heard that Christian music and I didn't really know anything about it, but I just, it just made me feel better. So I started listening to it. That's what you're doing. I know you get getting the grind, and you're thinking, "Man, I got to make these sales." You're part of something bigger. It's a ministry. Amen. So all of that wrapped up into I kind of this is this is what was rolling around in my heart this week, and and I know I can't put a nice little bow on this entire series. And they're all all the messages are up online, and I've been getting I've been getting emails. In fact, I got an email from South Africa. I'll read that next week or something, but so John 15, 12, if you would flip over there with me, I think I'm in the NIV. It's going to be John fifteen twelve, because I don't want the heart focus to turn into a personal development program. You know what I'm saying? Like we hear a lot of teaching about the heart out of this place, because I, I believe that if you get, not you get your heart right, but that if you get your heart confident in God's love for you, you will know the process of how to draw on God's power to face anything. It's all about getting your heart confident toward God so that you have access to the power you need to live. That's why we're talking about this. But all of that for the purpose of you to experience the blessing that he has for you and to be a blessing to others. It's not just about, let's because I know how we are. You know, we, we're one-track mind people sometimes. All, all humans are. We get on a subject, and it's like you start teaching about faith, and it's faith, 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 faith. Then you start teaching about good works, and it's good works, good works, good works, and then everybody forgets about faith. Or we start talking about heart, and you forget about the good works we're supposed to do. I had a lot of coffee this morning. I'm, <laughs> I'm going for it. So, you know, to kind of balance this heart focus, because I don't want you... Fallen into this thing where you're just constantly introspective and working on your heart and trying to get your heart to believe. One of the best ways to get your heart to believe is just go out and love somebody that can do nothing for you. It does something. Acts of kindness and service and love teach your heart how to trust God. They teach you how to just let him minister to you. And you're not doing those things to try to earn blessing from God. It's just a natural outgrowth of what that stuff should produce. Now, people get religious, and they think, well, you know, it becomes a burden. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just see what God does here. These are the scriptures that we're rolling around. John 15, 12, and this is Jesus. This is my commandment. First off, the commandments of Jesus are trust God, love people, pretty much. Jesus' commandments do not come with curses if you break them because all of the curse of the law was put on him. He was cursed in your behalf. Amen? Amen. These commandments are, this is the way we can walk in this best on this planet now to reveal him to people and us personally to experience the best that he has for us. Ultimately, righteousness, peace, and joy. So this is the commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no other than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. And look at this description. You have to see yourself through this lens. Like when you look at God, and when you think about yourself, and you think about how he sees you, and what he thinks about you, and what he's willing to do for you, you filter it through what Jesus has said. Jesus is the exact representation of the invisible God. Jesus in Christ dwelled the fullness of the Godhead bodily. If there's a character aspect or an act of God in the, especially in the Old Testament that you don't understand, Get an understanding of who Jesus is, specifically how God sees you through the eyes of Jesus and the words of Jesus, and then deal with circumstances. Amen? So you have to have an identity based on who Jesus says you are and based on the kind of relationship that you have with God that Jesus describes. It's all about Jesus. Verse Verse 14, You are my friends if you do what I command you. Now, the legalist hears that and says, well, it's, you know, I prove it through my works. No, not really. He's just saying it's a fruit because he explains in so many other areas that he's talking about that the things that he desires for you, in fact, further up in this chapter, he basically says, what I expect from you is for you to bear fruit, the fruit of keeping my commandments, trusting God and love people. But the only way you can bear that fruit is by abiding in me and letting my words abide in you. So he's like, here's what I expect from you, and I'm going to do it through you. (laughs) Now just let him abide in you. So don't get legalistic when you hear this. You're my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. I don't know if that hits you like it hits me, but, I mean that is like an atomic bomb scripture. I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Really? I mean, think about what he's saying. How much of your prayer life is trying to get information from God? Think about it. When you wake up in the morning, most of our prayer is driven by what we think we don't know. And if God would just tell us something, just give us this information, then we'd have it figured out, then we could go and live. Do you see that? I mean, think about that. How much of your prayer life is driven by trying to get some information from God? And he says, I've given, I've told you everything the Father has told me. But it's in your spirit. It's, it's, it's inside your spirit. The fullness of the Godhead is in your spirit because you have been betrothed to him in fullness with no limitation, with no expectation, with no uh, rules and regulations other than... Believe and walk in love. And when you do that, your heart will be confident toward me. Then you have everything that you ask for, he says in 1 John. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This is all what it comes down to. If you're you're worried about how to get your heart right, to believe right, to be confident enough to receive what he has for you, put it in the context of love rather than law. Put it in the context of love rather than information or process. And walk in what he has for you. Philemon There's only one chapter in Philemon, so Philemon 4. We're talking about living from this heart. We're talking about being a natural-born Christian where love and power and righteousness and holiness is your natural behavior, not something that you have to fight for, where generosity just flows out of you and you don't even think about You don't even think about what it is that you're giving in natural terms. I'm not not talking about just money either. Philemon, starting in verse 4, and Philip was kind enough to put this in the ESV for us. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all of his saints. You know, like this testimony that Sam brought of what you guys in the CMA are doing to just invest in these people, to take them to gospel. You think about it. this? Is what he's talking about, acts like that. I think about that, and it moves me. He says in verse 6, and I pray that the sharing or this word sharing is interesting. That word sharing in another translation, it's actually um, partnering. But it's the Greek word koinonia. You've heard the term koinonia. What does it mean? Fellowship, Fellowship, community, huh? common Common mind. This is what he's talking about. He's not talking about a call to evangelism, although when we are commonly participating in our faith together, it is evangelism. He said, I pray. He, He said, your love for one another will be a sign to the world that you follow me. That's what he said. This is what he's talking about. We get this thing in our mind like we've got to go find people. It's like if we could learn to love one another within the body of Christ, that's probably a bigger testimony than sitting somebody down in the airport and praying for them and their leg growing out, although we need that stuff too. But the body of Christ working together, I yeah, I love it. I, 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 keep, I kept forgetting to get the video, but and all this racial stuff where the enemy is just attacking our nation through all different methods and dividing people. There's this one video of a Black Lives Matter rally, and man, God's all over it because there's these white people there, and they step up, and it looks like it's going to be a confrontation, and you don't quite hear what's said, but something happens. where Then all of a sudden, the blacks and whites grab hands, and they start praying, and it transcends the division that's trying to happen in that moment. That, and that speaks to the world. That is what touches the... That is what inspires the world. That's koinonia. That's sharing in our faith, in our common faith. You've got co-workers that you work with, that you know are believers. Don't go hide in the break room and talk about your faith there. Talk about it openly. Grab hands and pray over your meals. That, that koinonia of your faith, the common sharing of your faith that you have with your brothers and sisters, it's as much of a sign to the world as a miracle is, and I would say even more so, because Jesus specifically says, they'll know that you're following me as you love one another. You think you're not very good at evangelism? I'm not called to, I'm not called to knock doors. I'm not called to approach strangers. no but you can share your faith with your fellow brothers and sisters, and people are watching, trust me. And I pray that the sharing, the knee of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing or the acknowledgement of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Watch how it says in Philemon 6 in the New Living translation. I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity. Generosity is righteousness in action. In fact, the words are even tied together in the Hebrew. The the generosity that the Bible talks about is a charity. It's not just, let me just give somebody something. It's, let me sit with people. Let me commune with them. Let me build them up. Let me encourage them. Let me provide for them. Let me take care of the poor. Let me love on these people. And not just here and move on. Oh, I was generous. Koinonia, or... Uh, this generosity that is talking about is your nature in action. So, in the New Living here, he says, I'm praying that you'll put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your, your faith becomes effective as you understand what you have in Christ. Your generosity becomes effective as you understand what Christ has put in you. Your ministry becomes stronger and more effective as you understand who Christ is in you. Do you see where I'm going with that? One more time. It's, one of the, it's the reason why we focus in here so much on identity and who Christ is in you because as you understand that and as you experience that, then your faith becomes effective, specifically in walking in love toward others. And then you just experience blessing on the way. You know, this is a transformation center. I'm just always going to hammer in your heart, and in your mind who you are in Christ because that is what's going to make your faith effective. That is what's going to cause your heart to learn how to access grace to overcome that sin, overcome that guilt, overcome that shame, overcome that sense of I don't know what I'm supposed to do and I don't think I'm good enough anyway to overcome that and realize, no, as I acknowledge who I am in Christ and who he is in me and all the good stuff that's in me through him, then my faith becomes effective. you got to know who you are. And I've got these questions here because what he's after is for you to bear fruit. He's after for you to be fruitful and multiply, and the kind of fruit that he wants you to bear is love for people as you experience this relationship with God. And he ends this here. He says, I pray that the of the sharing of your faith and the acknowledging of Christ in you makes your faith effective. So here's the question. What does the sharing of your faith look like to you? In In your life, in your world, in your home, in your workplace, or whatever it is your life looks like, what does the koinonia among brothers in Christ, and yes, the evangelistic aspect, what does the sharing of your faith look like to you? because as you understand who you are in Christ and what he's done within you, it strengthens that. Do you have an answer? Think about it. Think about your life, your world. It's all right. I mean, I know y'all are sitting there looking at me, and I'm up here looking at y'all, and we got rows and everything, but move beyond church mentality and think. And what what does it look like in my life? The sharing, the fellowshipping, the communion of my faith with believers and toward the world out of knowing who you are in Christ. That's why we should have the programs like we have in church. I'm not a big program guy. You know, all of us that are, that are on staff or really, you know, connected here, we're all probably doing about as much as we can, and, and we're at a place now where people are starting to step up, and, you know, we've got these community groups. And I'm not just trying to pitch community groups. I, 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 the reason we do stuff like that, like what the Sumters are doing, and what the Copelands are doing, and a few of you are getting ready to start. But the reason we do these things is so that we can share in our faith and encourage and build one another up. I mean, that's what church should be, right? I mean, we almost should be in a circle, just looking around, lifting up, building up, encouraging one another. Because as we share, as we commune in our faith together, it strengthens us in who we are. and makes our faith more effective. Amen? Answer that question for yourself. This will be your homework. What does the sharing of your faith, knowing that it's twofold, that you're communing with your brothers and sisters to the point that it's a testimony to the world, and you're taking the gospel to people? How can you show appreciation to God for what He's done for you By loving others. How can you lay your life down? But all back to this question, what does the sharing of your faith look like to you? Do you want that? I mean, this is the the way that I see it. I see us living our public lives where we're so connected with our fellow brothers and sisters that the world looks at that and says, I don't know what's going on over there, but they must follow Jesus. Look at how they treat each other. Look at their lives. Look at at that community. It doesn't match the agenda that's being pushed in the media. This doesn't fit. Something's going on different. They're transcending what's happening in the world right now. I want some of that. That's the kind of revival that we need. The church loving on each other. Not all of a sudden one church gets a bunch of stuff happening and everybody runs down there to get some. Amen. Amen sharing of our faith, the koinonia, community. Father, we thank you so much for the spirit that you've given us. Thank you for making us one with you as we say yes to Jesus. Thank you that we're approved before you because of what Jesus has done for us, and we rest in that identity. We rest in the the surety that we are safe in you because of the work of Christ. And we just want others in this world to know how good you are so that they know that there is a hope beyond what this world can do, so that people's fears about what happens in government and in nations goes away because their vision transcends what's happening in a physical realm. God, we want to be a body. We want the body, your body, to be so united in love toward one another that it changes the world. We yield to that. However you want to lead us, however you have for us to walk that out, God, we're submitted to you. We yield to you. We love you. We thank you for loving us. Jesus, you're our Lord, our God. You're our salvation, our redemption, our righteousness, our wisdom. And We want our minds and our hearts focused on you as we leave this place aware and experiencing all of those things that you've placed within us. You can keep your heads down. If you've never said yes to him, you're not sure. It's a simple question. You're willing to believe that what he did was for you. If you've never done that, you've never said yes to him, maybe even people watching online, just lift up your hand, wave at me where I can see you. Well, Father, thank you. We're brothers and sisters in this place. That means there's a world out there that needs us to come love on them. And we are committed to that. Amen.